You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. You know, guys, uh, that Christian life is really about two things. It's about becoming a follower of Jesus at some point, getting better and better and following him, and then helping others, like making disciples, helping others become followers of Jesus. That's what we do. Our whole life is about that when you become a follower of Jesus. And so here's the deal. Sometimes when you follow Jesus, life gets harder. And questions come up like, how could... Me following God make life harder for me. Doesn't make a lot of sense. And, and so I had a friend of mine write me an email just a few weeks ago. Here it is. It's called Faith Questions. And I want to read it because I think we all can relate to what he's talking about here. He says, Tim, I am seeking some guidance on faith and why God lets bad things happen to his followers. I was laid off back in January. And I'm still without work. The positives from the situation is I was provided a severance package. The bad news, I still haven't found a new job. Being still fairly new uh, to my walk with Christ, I can't help but ask the question, is this what I get in return for being a faithful follower? I'm overcome with shame uh, when that thought enters my mind. Uh, Thinking back to my past You know, in the past, I was not reading his word. I was not going to church weekly like he wants. I was continuing to actually commit sin, yet I was employed. Now, a little little over a year into my walk with him, and this happens. And at times, I get so angry and question, what have I done to deserve this? Thankfully, my faith is stronger than it has ever been. But I know Satan wants to bring me down and bring me back to him. At the same time, I have days where I struggle. I constantly look to James chapter 1 verse 12 for reassurance that God loves me and will get me through this. I just need some guidance. At times, I get angry with God, which in turn makes me feel bad for even feeling angry with God. Any advice or scripture you can send my way would be greatly appreciated. So... So I wrote my friend back in our church. I've discipled him a number of times over the last uh, year or so. And I gave him 10 chapters to read and write his learnings down. I'll give those to you. I said, hey, you need to read Psalm 13, Psalm 42. You need to read Job 1, 2, and 42, and all of 1 Peter, all five chapters. So once once you read those, write down your learnings. We'll get together on a weekend, kind of between services and hang out and chat. It was awesome we did that. Here's the thing, I want you to ask yourself the question, if you open your email today and somebody's asking you the question, yeah, why does God let bad things happen to his followers? How would you respond? Like, how would you actually respond to that? And how do you support somebody who's going through affliction? Like, they're going through affliction right now. What are you supposed to do for them? Does Jesus have anything we're supposed to do to help them? That is our topic today, helping others, supporting others in affliction. I do want to welcome those online. You might have joined us this weekend, and you're like, this is the perfect topic. 
I got afflictions everywhere I look in my life. Thank you for joining us. To those at the Overland Park campus, in the auditorium, in the venue, welcome guys. A special welcome to our Olathe campus. I had a chance to spend time with you last weekend. I was overwhelmed, amazed, seeing what God is doing, how God is using you. I want to encourage you. You're my heroes. God is doing great things in you and through you. So keep making disciples at our new campus at Olathe. I want to encourage you to turn your Bibles now or your Bible apps to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians 3. Our ushers have Bibles. If you want to raise your hand, they'll get one to you. And I want to also encourage you at this time to, to grab your household connect card. Fill it out. We'll collect this a little bit later on in our service, but you can do it right now while you're thinking about it. We're in a series right now. The series is called The Pioneer Spirit. And it does take a pioneer spirit to take the risk to actually make disciples, to help others follow Christ. There's risk involved with that. And so that's what Matthew 28, the Great Commission, is all about. Here are three pictures to see where we've been so far in this series. The first picture is a picture of Paul's second of four missionary journeys. Paul and Silas were sent out from the church at Antioch. They picked up Timothy along the way. They planted a church in Thessalonica. They were driven south. Now they're in Athens. And the team is right there. Their heart is still back in Thessalonica. Here's a picture of Thessalonica, ancient and modern. There you see in the foreground, that's the ancient Roman forum. Like picture this, Paul, Silas, and Timothy would have walked this area. Like they would have been there in the city center. In the background, you see modern Thessalonica in in northern Greece that you can actually visit today. Here's a picture of Timothy's trip to Thessalonica. It's a map of Greece. And so you see, here you see uh, the church planting team is in the south at Athens. In the north is where that church plant was. That new church plant was a drive of five hours away, five-hour drive, or a walk of two to three weeks, one way. So they sent Timothy two to three weeks on a walk north, two to three weeks on a walk south. He's back now. They penned a letter. Paul, Silas, and Timothy wrote a letter we know today as First Thessalonians. And so over the last few weeks, we've covered a number of questions about disciple making. Like, how do you make a disciple? How do you develop someone else spiritually? Uh, how do you handle opposition? This week is when somebody you care about is going through trials. When one of your disciples is going through affliction, what do you do about it? Like, how can you actually help somebody else when they're going through afflictions? And so just ask in your your mind right now, go in your mind and say, now who in my world, ask yourself, who in my world is suffering afflictions right now? Just listen. Who in my world is suffering afflictions? Now, what would Jesus want you to do to support them in their afflictions? That's our topic today, supporting others in affliction. And so I'm going to pray and we'll dive into what Paul, Silas, and Timothy did. Uh, Let's pray. God, we love you. And we are incredibly thankful for the chance to worship you, to glorify you. We're thankful here you've got an example for us. How do we help others who are suffering in affliction? God, we want to help. We want to help in positive ways, ways that actually further your kingdom, further disciple-making, draw people closer to you. God, help us to see what Paul, Silas, and Timothy do, the three things they do in this chapter that we need to do for others in affliction as well. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to give you three phrases to look for in these three sections of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Uh, the first phrase to look for is the phrase, these afflictions. These afflictions, you can write down, you can mark it or highlight it. But there are all types of afflictions that people go through. Uh, you might be here and you're like, wow, what perfect timing. I'm going through these afflictions myself. There's my friend, his afflictions were losing a job, can't find a job, you know, pressure, questioning. We get a church-wide prayer list each week, and I pray for all these prayer requests. Here's some of the afflictions, these afflictions our fellow brothers and sisters are going through. Cancer treatments, anxiety, son being bullied at school, sister lost her husband, heart surgery, stress at work, continued sobriety, back pain, depression, blood infection, praying for salvation, supporting financially, getting more sleep, selling a home, spiritual freedom, a divorce someone doesn't want, an ultrasound of a baby that looks bad, Re repairing a relationship with uh, a child's mother, deep resentment toward a spouse, relationship with kids, relationship with the parents, it goes on and on, these afflictions. When you study the church of Thessalonica, they had a series of afflictions as well. First of all, they were rejected by certain people in the city, then they were accused falsely, and then they were attacked physically. So whatever afflictions you're going through, we don't have the same type, but we all have these afflictions. What does Paul say they do about this? Look in verse 1. Let's start to see what they do here. 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 1 says this. Paul, Silas, and Timothy write, Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone. I mean, we were hurting for you. We were praying for you. We worried about you. And it comes a time, by the way, if somebody's in affliction, that God will no longer let you do nothing. You can't endure doing nothing. You got to text them, pray for them. You got to reach out to them, say, you're not alone. I care for you. God will do that in your soul. A little text. Hey, I'm thinking about you right now. That's the modern version of 1 Thessalonians. When you text somebody, I'm praying for you. I love you. It's going to be okay. Verse 2. What they do? He said this. And they sent Timothy, our brother, and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to do two things, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. Okay, two things they're trying to accomplish. Number one, establish their faith to strengthen. They want Timothy on this visit, two, three-week walk, to strengthen their faith because your faith can get shaken. And then to encourage them. It's a word that means to come alongside and cheer them on. They wanted Timothy to be there to strengthen their faith, encourage them. So they sent Timothy. They couldn't stand not having contact anymore. God will do that in us. Verse 3. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions. There it is. You can highlight it or mark it down. He starts addressing these afflictions. And worried they were shaken by them. Here it comes. For you yourselves know... That we, all of us, are appointed to this. Paul, Silas, and Timothy says, guys, you know we have appointments. So we've got calendar appointments that we know about. And we have calendar appointments we don't know about. You have appointments for suffering. You have appointments for affliction that God has on your calendar that you don't know about yet. He says in verse 4. For in fact, we told you before. 
when we were with you, that we would suffer tribulation. He says, guys, you remember we prepped you. All was life was good. The city was fine. We said, guys, it's not always going to be this way. One of these days you're going to get tribulation. It's not come yet. It's coming. Notice they're prepping their disciples for suffering that's coming. And the word tribulation is the word for pressure, wine press. You're going to get tribulation. The same word for pressing down a wine press on grapes. When you feel pressed, crushed, stressed, squeezed, that's tribulation. You got appointments for being squeezed. Just as it happened, and you know, verse 5, for this reason, when I, I notice the, the language changes. It was we before, Paul now owns it. Okay, I couldn't handle it anymore. I had to know how you guys were doing. I could no longer endure it. I sent to know your faith. Lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. Here, you can put this down in your notes. What's this larger thought we have? How do you help somebody in trials, in temptations? We need to be preparing our disciples for future suffering. How do you help somebody in suffering? Prepare them before they get there that suffering is coming and suffering is normal. I mean, here's what Paul, Silas, and Timothy did. They did a number of things. They prepared them beforehand. Guys, you've not suffered yet for Jesus. You've not been squeezed in tribulation. It's coming. And then they actually visited them in their affliction and encouraged them in their affliction. And they reminded them, it's okay. It's normal. It's what Peter did, by the way. Peter warned his disciples that when you suffer, you're normal. That's a, that's a normal kind of thing. He says in 1 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 4, 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Here Peter writes his disciples, prepping them for some suffering. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice. Okay, why am I suffering? This is really weird. I I think it's really strange I am. No, no, it's strange when you're not suffering in that seasonal suffering. It's not all the time. It's appointments. It comes seasonally. What do you do when you're in the season of suffering? You rejoice. Okay, Tim, how in the world could I rejoice in suffering? I'm getting squeezed here. I don't feel like suffering is fun. This is not good. This is not a good feeling. I want to get rid of this feeling. Rejoice. To the extent that you partake of, you get a little dose of, you get a taste of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Why in the world we rejoice when you're getting squeezed and you want to think you're weird and what are you doing to me? It's actually normal. It's not strange to go through trials, afflictions. So why would you rejoice? Wow, this this affliction I'm going through? Is squeezing me this much. But Jesus, you took every tribulation, every affliction, you took all the squeezing of every person in history, and that's how you were squeezed. I got a dose, a taste. I rejoice that it's a, that it's a dose. I rejoice that's a little bit. And I'm so thankful, Jesus, for what you did. I'm reminded of the suffering of the cross here. That I tend to forget what you went through. Guys, here's the deal. The first thing we must do with our disciples, we, of course, we need to prepare them, guys. It is coming. Suffering is coming before. And then when they're in affliction, 
God will prompt you, hey, are you okay? I'm praying for you. I'm thinking, you got to go visit them. You can't stand it anymore. And you visit them, remind them, this is normal what you're going through. There's an end point to this. There's a larger thing. You can rejoice that the feeling you feel, that you hate feeling, and I get it, is a teeny dose. And Jesus took all the dose, the full measure. Aren't you thankful for Jesus who took it all? And you got a dose. See, that's how we help people. We need to remind them, first of all, that they're normal and it's coming. What's another way? It starts with these afflictions. Another way we can support our disciples, it's about your faith. That's the second phrase to look for, your faith. And that's in verses 6 through 10, your faith, back in 1 Thessalonians. I heard this years ago. I heard a guy say, if you're going through suffering, there's only one or two reasons you're going through suffering. And it's different based on whether you have already received Jesus or not yet received Jesus. If you've not yet received Jesus, and maybe this is you, you've not yet received Jesus as Savior, you haven't done it yet, God wants to use that suffering to help you receive him for the first time. That's why you're suffering. So you receive him as Savior. But I've already received Jesus as Savior. Why am I going through suffering? He wants to draw you closer to him. He wants to grow your faith. That's exactly, there are only two reasons. He's either trying to get you to receive him for the first time or grow your faith, draw you back to him in ways you'd never run to him. When my daughter at three years old gets scared, she runs to me. When you get scared in affliction, you run to him like you would never would run without that affliction. He says this in verse in verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith, there it is. He's reminding that their suffering is really about their faith. It's growing their faith. He brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren... In all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. And Paul says, not only did, did you have this incredible faith that we were so thankful, we're thanking God for, but when we, in our stuff, we're in afflictions too. When we heard about your faith, we were so comforted, like this makes me survive. Your faith makes me get through my sufferings in a better way, my afflictions Verse 8, for now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. I guess the opposite of verse 3 being shaken. You guys are standing fast in your faith. Verse 9, for what things can we, what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. You are giving us joy in the midst of our misery and suffering because it's about your faith. We succeeded, verse 10, night and day praying, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and perfect. The word perfect in the Bible doesn't mean make you sinless, makes you whole. It takes out any holes in your faith, makes you whole. And make you whole what is lacking in your faith. These sufferings you're going through, these afflictions you're going through, is because your faith isn't whole yet. In your, your suffering, you're surviving it. Man, it's encouraging us in our afflictions. Here's the larger thought. You can write this in your notes if you want. How do you support someone else in suffering and afflictions? We gotta, it's about keeping our faith in Jesus as the win. We must, when someone is suffering, 
we must, when we are suffering, remind us and others that it's, the faith, it's our faith in Jesus that's the real win. What is your life win? Like, what is the win for you? Is your win the state championship? Is your win the highest GPA? Is your win the best school? Is your win number one salesman? Is your win paying off debt? Is your win having a nice home? Is your win having the most people attend your grace group? Is your win having a senior leadership role? Or is your win about your faith and other people's faith? Affliction reminds us what actually is really important, what lasts forever. The word of God and souls of people. That's it. And it's about your faith. It's what Peter actually told his disciples in 1 Peter chapter 1. It gives a great example that when you're going through suffering, suffering is like fire. And your faith is like gold. He says in 1 Peter 1 verse 6, Peter writes this. In this, you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Okay, you're sad in your trials. You're down right now, emotionally, in your trials. It's going to happen for a little while. How long? I don't know. A little while. Verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, Though it, the gold is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter has a great example about purification of gold, like the purification of your faith. Here's a picture, by the way, of an ancient oven used to purify gold. They discovered this oven at Sardis, which is one of the seven cities listed in Revelation. Revelation 2 to 3 is the city of Sardis. That's Sardis. This is an actual kiln they used to purify gold. They used to heat up the gold with a fire, and they would put salt in it and burn away the impurities. Here's a picture of fire. And so what you do is they'd, they'd fire this thing up. They'd burn the gold. It would melt. They'd pull the gold out. Separation would happen. The impurities, the other metals would come to the top, the gold would stay down. They'd scrape away the metals, the impure stuff, and a pure form of gold. But guys, that's our life. It's like this ring I have in my hand here. My ring is made of gold. And how do you, how do you make gold more pure? Well, you take gold, you stick it in a fire, it melts, and it hurts. And then once it's melted, it's pliable. You pull it out, it cools off. As it cools, impurities come up in the gold. You scrape away the impurities, it's pure. And then, back in the fire, you heat it up. This is your life. This is what afflictions are like. You right now are going through suffering. It's because you're in the furnace of affliction. And God loves you so much. He loves your faith so much. He wants to draw you to him so much. He's willing to let you go in the fire because the things being burned away are doubts. The things that are being burned away are your self-image and your self-control and your self-reliance. All the self-stuff's being burned away as you realize, I'm not in charge of my life. God's really in charge. Is he going to come through? Oh, yes, he is coming through. Oh, my goodness. He takes you out, scrapes him away. Life gets better. Oh, you got a story. Man, I hope it never happens again. Oh, no! Here comes the affliction right back in the fire. Guys, the reason we have afflictions 
is that there are things that are lacking in our faith. And to God, it, it is all about our faith. He says, someday, like gold being found, our faith, we found a praise and honor and glory at his appearing. That's what Jesus looks for. The purity, the realness, the depth of our faith. All right. Let's go to a third phrase right here. The phrase is our God. How do you support somebody in afflictions? Well, there's these afflictions they're going through, that unique set they're going through, and they get pulled out and life gets better back in the afflictions. It goes from these afflictions to your faith to our God. These afflictions to your faith to our God. Our God is the only one who can actually help in afflictions. Our God is the one we need to rely upon instead of ourselves. Our God is the one who's going to get us through these afflictions. When someone's afflicted, how do you pray for them? Like, what do you pray? I had a whole list of things. Cancer, relationships, job. I mean, my goodness, the whole list goes on and on. Back pain, depression. How do you pray for somebody? If you're like me, your natural inclination is a natural inclination to pray, get them out of it. Oh, God. Oh, God, just, just get them out of this. Just stop the, stop the fires. Just stop the fire. Oh, stop the fire. Do you do just the natural prayer, which is okay? Or do you also pray the supernatural prayer? God, use the fires. Not just get them out of the fire. That's natural. That's healthy. I get it. Supernatural. Oh, God, use the fires. Only our God can do this. Only our God can do this. Only our God can do this. When people around you are suffering, they need you to pray just as much, if not more, for God to use the fires as you pray to get them out of the fires. Because it's in the fires they're growing. To use the fire. Because if you don't use the fire, guess what? Back in the fire. You better pray for learning the lessons in the fire. That's how you get better. And look what he says here. In 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 11, 12, and 13, three prayer requests. Paul, Silas, and Timothy are praying for these guys. He says in verse 11, one of their prayer requests was not to get them out of affliction, but he prayed, verse 11, now may our God, there's the phrase, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ, direct our way to you. He's praying. They're praying together. Oh, God, direct us. We'd like to go visit them. Give us wisdom. How do we do it? When do we direct us? God loves when we ask for direction. Do, is it time to talk to him? Is it time to go to them? Time to text them? Time to encourage them? Oh, God, direct us. Direct us. Direct us. They're in affliction. What's the second prayer request? Verse 12. And may the Lord, that's Jesus, the Lord, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. Oh God, we pray not only would you direct us there, we pray for their love would grow. Use the fires to purify their faith, grow their faith. God, we know everything's about love. It's about loving you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Loving our neighbor as ourself. Oh dear God, help them not get impatient, get short with each other, but to love more, love deeper, love more pure. Help them grow in this trial in love for each other and for everybody else outside Inside the church, praying for love. God, for use the fire. What else did he pray for? Verse 13. He's praying so that he, that's Jesus, he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness 
before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Oh God, I pray for their heart. God, only you can establish their heart. Only you can strengthen their heart. Only you can help their heart to be stable, not shaken. Help them not run away from you, but drawn close to you. God, work in their heart. When Paul, Silas, and Timothy prayed, they didn't just pray for all the natural prayer requests, which are important that we ought to pray for these things. God, heal their cancer. Fix this relationship. Help them with this depression. Stop the bullying. Lord, there's back pain, pain be healing. Spiritual freedom. But they pray for the supernatural prayer request. Oh God, I don't get it. Heal the cancer. God, and use this cancer to change people's faith around them. This person's being bullied. God, get them out of bullying. Help them, Lord, they're going to be bullied again down the line. Learn how to deal with bullies spiritually. To pray for the bullies. Pray for your enemies. Oh, God, I pray for the, the person in back pain. It's a constant, or depression, it's constant. Lord, I pray you take it away from natural prayer request. God, use it to grow their love in their back pain and depression, to grow their love, to stabilize their faith, to grow people closer. Do you pray the supernatural prayer request on top of the natural prayer request? Guys, how do you support others in afflictions? What Peter actually says in 1 Peter 5, 1 Peter 5, Peter says, guys, we need suffering. We need afflictions. Not because God is punishing us, because God loves us. And God loves our faith. And God wants us to get better and grow deeper. He's trying to grow us. 1 Peter 5, verse 10. Peter writes this about suffering. But may the God of all grace... Oh God, this is what he's praying. May the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while. Okay, I hate that phrasing. And I love that phrasing. After you've suffered a while? When's it ending? I don't know. It's a while. Is it soon a while or long while? Not telling you a while. A while. After this happens, what happens? Four things happen in your soul. Perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Perfect. God makes you whole through your sufferings. Establish. God gives you a foundation of faith through your sufferings. Strengthen. God makes you stronger through your sufferings in your faith. Settle you. God grounds you in your sufferings. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Guys, there's only two reasons in the world people go through sufferings. These afflictions that we all go through, these afflictions, whether the afflictions of the Thessalonians or the afflictions of my friend who wrote me right here or this entire prayer list we get every single week, these afflictions are about your faith. They're about your faith. Man, gold is so valuable. God, I get your faith is much more precious than gold, which perishes. God values your faith. He values how close you are to him. He values how much you believe in him. And it's through the fires of affliction. But that's where you're strengthened. You are settled. And things lack in your faith, they are patched up and you are grown. So when God looks at your, you know, 18-carat faith, 24-carat faith, 28-carat faith, wow, look at that faith. And it's no accident that the more pure gold gets, the more tender it is. It's more pliable. Gold is easier to work with 
the more pure it gets. You know what your faith is? You're more tender-hearted. You're more pliable. You are easier to work with. And all of that is more valuable. It's all more valuable. You might be here. Is this picture a picture of your life, by the way? You're here like, I cannot believe this next photo. I'll put the fire back up on the screen, guys. There you go. This is your life. <laughs> and you're like, okay, this is freaky. Because I was fine last week. And this week, all affliction breaks out. And now I'm back here. And we're talking about this. This is your life. I want to tell you, this is just a season. It's just a season. The normal Christian life is seasonal. It's rhythms. It's afflictions cooling off and purified. Afflictions cooling off and purified. It's not strange. It's normal. It's a dose of the cross of Christ. It's just a dose. A small taste. That bad feeling you feel from your affliction makes you value the bad feelings Jesus went through when he went through the afflictions of the cross. And God has called us to support others in their affliction, preparing them. This is going to happen. Visiting them, texting them, praying like crazy, vision casting with them, encouraging them. It's about their faith. These afflictions are about your faith that our God is doing a mighty work. That's how you support others in affliction. Maybe you're a person that, that you have a person that is going through afflictions and God has prompted you to visit them, Pray for them, not just the natural prayer request, but the supernatural one. Grow them in this affliction. Change them in this affliction. Give them more love with this affliction. Don't forget the promptings of the Holy Spirit. God has spoken to you. And it's really easy in a service when God speaks to us and our heart says yes, and our brain forgets. If God has prompted you, however you remember things, Write it on your phone, write it on a piece of paper, write it on your palm, put it somewhere where you won't forget the promptings of the Holy Spirit for you because he loves you. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you and we are so thankful for what you have done. The feelings that I have gone through with my set of afflictions all of us continue to go through with different afflictions. Remind us of the magnitude of what you went through at the cross. We rejoice in our afflictions that it's only a small dose. We rejoice that it's only a taste. We rejoice that you took it all for us. If somebody has not yet received Christ as Savior, please work work in a mighty way. They're going through sufferings to receive you. Showing their inadequacy, that they can't manage their own life, that Jesus, you died to be the Lord of their life. It's time to surrender. Would you pray for those around you, those worshiping online, pray for them right now. I'm going to give you a chance to give your life to Jesus. Jesus loves you. He gave his life to you. He took every feeling of affliction you ever had. Yes, your sins he paid for. And he carried your sorrows. But he also took your afflictions and suffered them on your behalf. And maybe it's time for you to surrender and receive Jesus as Savior. 
I'll ask you, wherever you're at, to pray, dear Jesus, just pray right now, wherever you're at, online, late to the venue, the auditorium, in Overland Park, say, dear Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I give my life to you. I'm in afflictions. And I surrender control of my life to you, Jesus. Would you forgive me of my sins? I'm so sorry. Thank you for dying for them. And thank you for carrying me, carrying my sorrows, carrying my sufferings. I make you the Lord of my life. Lord Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com. Dot com.